Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Hey, what's going on, Busted Open Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Busted Open Podcast. Today, we got the return of the Hall of Fame and Pain with myself, Bully Ray, and my tag team partner for today, Mark Henry. And who better to be your tag team partner on Martin Luther King Jr. Day than the world's strongest man? And we are covering everything in the world of pro wrestling. Little WWE, little AEW, little NXT, little bit of everything, including some special guests helping us to celebrate this special day. So plug us in, turn us up, turn us up to 11. It's the Busted Open Podcast happening right now. The man of the hour has just popped up on our screen, so I don't want him waiting too long. His chest fills out the entire screen. His shoulders touches the tip. Uh, we were talking about Whoa. it two minutes ago. Um, a, a, a multi-time, I believe 10-time, record-breaking, record-shattering, 10-time tag team champion, obviously with the New Day, and your current intercontinental champion, and a damn handsome man. Biggie, welcome to Busted Open. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. You're you're too kind, Bubba. Uh, I, I do appreciate that. He uh, is I'd like too to say, kind. Yeah, very much so. Uh, first and foremost, I don't want to be caught up in any Mark Henry beefs. Uh, just, I just want to make sure, like, I'm not here. I want to make sure, you know what I'm saying? I don't want any problems gonna, with hey, anyone. Hold on. We're going to talk so, about the beef. We're going to talk well, about okay. that this year. Let's talk about it. Yes. <laughs> um, e, first of all, how you doing this morning? How's things? How's life right, new, right now for you in the world of WWE? Personally, how you handling everything? Uh, it's a very, very strange time uh, for me, uh, for all of us, exactly. But, um, you know, I think the hardest thing is uh, I've I've really been touched by the outpouring of love for for Brody, uh, for John Huber. Uh, he's a very, very good, dear friend of mine um, and still kind of, you know, dealing with him not being here and his passing. He was such a regular part of my life. He lived like 15 to 20 minutes from me. Uh, and I got to see him all the time. Um, and, you know, he's he's someone I've never it's my first time losing someone who meant uh, so much to me and who I was really close to. So uh, the one thing that's been really rewarding is, man, you know, a lot of times I think we talk about wrestling being a uh, family. And a lot of that can be cliche, but there is a real brotherhood. I feel a real brotherhood in that I had so many guys that I've worked with who hit me up, who cried with me who reached out to me and that's that's beautiful like it really made me think man we have something special in our industry like the fact you know when you, when you you know how it is when you trust your body with someone else you you're in there and uh it, it's there's just a certain level of of connection and I, i'll say that uh, a lot of times in wrestling we talk about uh it being a family and you know a lot of times that's a cliche but i i felt a real sense of brotherhood in that, uh, you know, I had so many people who, who I'd worked with, who, who Brody worked with, uh, who reached out to me and cried with me on the phone, on FaceTime, um, that real connection. So many of us just really came together. And that's, you know, I'm always trying to see the silver lining in, in bad things when, when tragic things happen. And I think that's beautiful. Is, and you know how it is. When, when you're in the ring with someone uh, time and time again and you trust your body with someone else, there's a certain level of, of connection and trust and we travel the world together and that's one of the things that i've really grown to appreciate is this real brotherhood in wrestling in our industry and that you know during hard times uh we can come together well, e, were you, you were you friends with john before you met up in the business and like do you remember the first day that you ever met him no so i remember him um i didn't know him at all until he got signed with wwe so he was in fcw um, I want to say maybe 2011, 2012. Uh, and I think my first my first uh, memory of him was him coming in and working in this wife beater. And I remember thinking, like, I was kind of looking back. I'm I'm thinking, man, I was I was in the wrong headspace because I was kind of I was a little jealous because like at the time everyone had to work in trunks or, 
you know, that was kind of how it was. I was like, they're never going to let him come in here working this wife beater. And people were putting him over. I was like, eh, I don't know about this guy. But, <laughs> man, he could go. He could definitely go. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know him at all until he got signed. And then as um, I got to know him better, as we were on the road, as I got to meet his wife and kids, uh, I really got close with him. And he was someone I we legit, like, the last three or four years, we talked or texted pretty much every day, just about everything, because we realized we had so many interests that aligned with MMA, uh, with music, just just with everything. And he was such, a, such a great, insightful dude. Yeah, that too. You know, you wearing a, a John Huber shirt. Uh, is there a significance in the shirt that you're wearing? Yeah, so this is um, actually uh, Claudio Cesaro gave this to me. I think it's uh, all the proceeds go to the Huber family. Um, and yeah, it's, it's cool to see so many of the tribute shirts uh, that have gone to support uh, his family. And uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's uh, Violent Gentleman is the uh, the company. And yes, the proceeds go to the Huber family. Biggie, obviously today we are celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Day. Uh, the significance to you? Uh, it's huge, man. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us don't really get to know much about black history in schools. And that's really unfortunate. I didn't really get to learn more until I got to college, but uh, remembering how much uh, was sacrificed by people like MLK uh, is, it means the world uh, to so many of us. And the fact that, you know, you think of the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1960, like 1964 wasn't, wasn't that long ago. Um, to think of the fact that only Mark was a teenager. But recognizing those sacrifices um, is, is very important. And uh, I'm, I think his message is clearly very poignant when you look at 2020 and the amount of unrest uh, there has been um, clearly his words, what he stood for, uh, his life's work is still very necessary it's still very poignant and uh, i think too often we think of history makers as as people who are born great or who are outside of ourselves and that's what they were destined to do but i started thinking more and more that we need to be the change that we want to see in this world and i'm not saying we can all be the next uh, mlk but we can do our part and that's kind of what's been more of my focus as I've gotten older this last year or so is doing my part, even if it's just the tiniest bit uh, of just trying to uh, carry that on. You know, and, and Bully, I, 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 I take what Big E has said, and I, I feel that way too. But a lot of people know Martin Luther King as um, – the man about peace and they think that the civil rights movement started with Dr. King, which it did not. Um, and, but Dr. King was the one that said, look, we're going to have to make this peaceful. He was, he was like Gandhi. He, I mean, they, they were like one in the same, like they talked about peace and they talked about, we're all the same family. We just don't know each other. And People didn't look at if if I come in belligerent and angry, like you're not going to want to have peace with me. You're not going to want to help me. But if you if you see that I'm 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 intelligent, did you see that I have feelings? You see that I love my family and I play with my kids the same way that you do. Then you're gonna be like, wow, that, that that's a good man. I, I I see him as another man. Uh, during that time, people did not look at us as people. They looked at us as property. And Dr. King was one that said, listen, let's show our intelligence. Let's show our class. Let's show the fact that we are people so that we get treated like it. And that was the thing that about Dr. King that really resonated with me now today as it relates to Ryback I will not be peaceful I won't be I will not be peaceful I always have to take it back to wrestling bully I always got to take it back to wrestling well I, I saw some of the things that he said late last night and I, I don't know how you're going to be able to keep it peaceful but I don't want to take well, he a big blocked me, so I don't get to <clears throat> see any of it <laughs> 
Huh? I'm glad he blocked me. <laughs> hey, Mark, should should we try to rope Big E into this conversation? Should we put him I on the so. spot? <laughs> don't you do it. He, he said, don't I don't do want to talk about it. I don't, wanna... don't do it. No, nah, right. we'll get him into it if he well, wants to. Let's talk about that nice, shiny championship uh, that you have around your waist. How are you enjoying your time right now with the Intercontinental Championship? But how are you enjoying your time away from Xavier and a from, away from Kofi? And is this... Did this happen at a good time for you? Are you enjoying it? Do you hate it? Talk to us about it. Do you miss them? Uh, well, it's a it's a very weird way you phrase it. How are you enjoying your time away from those two? Like, but I I, I see what you're saying. Um, those man, anchors. Stop it! Stop it! You see, you're your problem. Your trouble. See? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not the heel. Not I'm now the baby I face. I should have known. I should have known. Nah, man. So we uh, we obviously created something special. Like I don't get to this point in my career. And in fact, I'd argue that I'm not even with WWE. I'm, I might not even be on the main roster if it wasn't for Woods and Kofi and the run that we got. Because I was at a point in my career where I was definitely floundering. Um, I will say, man, it's. I feel like it's such a weird time. I'm so grateful that we're still able to work and to uh, perform in the Thunderdome is the best possible scenario. But I feel like the true measure of title runs, I always think of the feedback from fans. That's what I think of. When I think of Brian's run, what he did in the 20 by 20 is incredible. But you think of people losing their mind. You think of the yes chance collectively. Same thing with Kofi's run. I think of that immediate feedback from fans. And as grateful as I am for this, um, you know, it's just not, I can't really sink my teeth into it in the same way. Like, because you know how it is. In our business, the fans are the barometer. They tell you immediately if something is good or if something is bad. So I can go out there all day and think, man, I'm killing it. But if, if I'm in front of 10,000 people and it's crickets, that what I'm doing doesn't mean much. So... That's kind of the biggest adjustment is really trying to determine like how how well is this working? How how much are people really behind me? Because it's one thing to go on Twitter. But as we all know, Twitter and that online feedback can be very different. When, when you go to Jackson, Mississippi, oh, yeah. they can be losing their minds and the Twitter crowd might not be feeling it or, or vice versa. You know, and every and that's the beauty of what we do, too, is that a town in the making might be very different from Baltimore, which might be very different from New York as far as that crowd response is. Um, so that's that's the biggest adjustment is like, I feel like I, you know, we got something good here. People are losing their minds every night. So it's a, it's a little bit different, but I'm I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. I've, I've enjoyed getting to do something different to show a different side because man, you it can be easy in this business to get stuck in a rut. Like we got something good, and I just, I'm not of the mindset, I don't want to coast. I don't want to think, man, I made it. I can just kind of phone it in. Because that, to me, like, once you're there, like, it's time to hang it up. And well, so that's the biggest yeah, difference. I hate, is, to, I hate to break you, break this news to you. Break me. But me. The, the, the people are loving you. They, they're, they're really getting behind you. And you look at the ratings, like, during the segments that you're on, on screen, People are not turning the channel. That's a good thing. That's right now. Like uh, you are captivating, and and people want to see what you're doing. I, I want to see like where do you see this going next? I mean, like you you're, you're battling. You're you're a fighting champion. You're you're uh, you're battling everybody that comes to you, and right now, um, Apollo Cruz feels like he should be you. Like, what what are you gonna do about that? And how do you how do you combat somebody that feels like they're more deserving? I mean, it's it's not the business of of fairness. It's not it's not. I think I'm deserving. I think Apollo is incredibly talented. I think he's a great athlete. I think his combination of skill and athleticism uh, is, is off the charts. And he's a guy who's, who should have been doing more for, for a long time. But man, I'm eight years deep into this main roster run. I like, to me, I, I, I need to nerf Apollo is what I need to do. I need to run through Apollo. That's what I need to do. And like, that's not a shot at him at all. But my ceiling, where I, my trajectory, where I need to be headed is all love to Apollo, 
is well beyond Apollo. Like I, I'm eyeing winning the Rumble, of of headlining WrestleMania. That is what Ooh. my trajectory needs to be. And if if he doesn't feel that way, if like you gotta you gotta have that within you. I don't get like I'm not here to say, man. I think Apollo's incredible. And he should he should beat me. And I think it's no man. Like I'm tr- I I need to steamroll Apollo. Is what I need to do. I need to. We're on this road from here until what April 11th is that the date for WrestleMania? From here until now, that needs to be my mindset: is running through Apollo, winning the Rumble, and that's how you make a statement. That's how you. That's how you set your legacy in wrestling in WWE. So one wow. of the things that we talk about on the show, Big E, is me and Mark a lot of times will pull back the curtain just enough to bring fans in so they can we can all talk about wrestling in a more intelligent way. Not smart marks, but smart fans. You talk about your trajectory and how your goal is to headline mess- WrestleMania, the politics of the business, the business of the business. Do you feel like you have a real, legit opportunity to headline WrestleMania this year, or is it going to take Biggie another year to get there? I mean, that's that's the thing is, I I want this run to feel earned. I think there are a lot of people who've been clamoring for hmm. me to do more for a long time, but I think a lot of times, what you'll see, and I'm not going to name names, but a lot of times you'll see talent who are called up or brought in, and they're almost given too much too soon. Not that they don't have the ability, but as as a babyface, especially. I don't feel like I'm with you if you've been on the main roster two weeks and you already got a world title shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of the best things. Yeah. One of the best things that I think happened to Daniel Bryan is losing to Sheamus at WrestleMania in what? Under 20 seconds. Because people had enough. They had enough. Then they said, this guy has been grinding. He's been one of the best in the world for all these years. And this is is how you're going to treat him time and time again. And that's what caused this explosion. I don't think he got vastly better. You know, I, I'm not saying that Brian hasn't made steps to improve, but he was always that good. He was always he was. the guy. And I think when it feels earned, like you've been through the ringer, not saying that I haven't earned it with all the tag stuff, but I'm still fairly new to the singles run. I want it, I want it to be like, all right, man, he's jumped through all your hoops. He's performed time and time again. I want to show that week in and week out, that I can do the solo backstages. I can do the solo promos and kill them. I can do the solo matches. That I can do every aspect of this business as a singles competitor. And all right, man, it's earned. But, I, you know, in the same vein, I'm not here to turn down any opportunity that comes my way either. And But you also know how it is, man. I They're going to go through a list of part-timers, the big names, the, the big money guys who work once a year, and they're going to go through that list. And if they if they can't get all those guys booked for that Roman spot for WrestleMania, then it's kind of like, now who do we look to Let who actually in. works here on a weekly basis, who's actually been grinding, <laughs> uh, and now maybe we give them an opportunity. So you know Let how it in, is. E. You know how Let it is. But my goal is, hey, man, I always had this perspective of you get what you're given and you make the best of it. And that doesn't mean, like, I'm here's my promo and I say exactly what's on the page. No, it means... I do my best to make this few minutes as good as I can. And sometimes it's like fighting for something that I really believe in and saying, I'm not saying this, I'm saying this instead, or saying this is what I believe this match needs to be. So that's always my perspective is I'm going to take, you tell me the time, you tell me the segment, you tell me the direction, I'm going to give you the best I got. Maybe it won't be as good as it can be week in, week out, but I'm going to give you the best I can on that day. Well, you said that you were not going to name names. I'm going to name names. Uh, the Rock, when we came in and we were in the car together every day, um, the crowd didn't like him. Rocket Sucks was real. It was real. Right. They felt like the company was giving him too much too fast. Right. And then you fast forward. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was put in this place, put in this place. He beat Undertaker, retired him. People were like, man, this is bullshit. Like, why would you do that? Too fast, too soon. But what happened? Both of those guys through time, both of those guys through effort and through uh, being able to have longevity, and there you go. You 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 didn't get that push where they just threw everything at you 
and you did the opposite way where you earned it, and now here you are. You're on the precipice of being one of those guys that's got to feel good to you, that you earned it and you got there, and now it's time. The time is here. The time is now. What's going to set Big E over that that margin? Uh I mean, you know how it is. Or, or do you want to keep it a secret and just show us at the Rumble? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Well, but I mean, we're we'll a show see. about information. We 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 we, we need know. something. I know, but you know how it is. I got no information. You you know, I got nothing. Uh, but uh, I know what I'm going to be trying to do. I, <laughs> I know you don't know shit. Yes, exactly. But no, we never got to. Yes, of course. You know, you you both know the system in and out. Um, I will say for me, it's a matter of, uh, I know a lot of people call for me to be more serious. And sure, there are going to be times where, you know, I can't log roll down to the ring. It doesn't make, you know, so I'm going to have to tweak certain things. And I think I've already tweaked certain things. But my biggest thing is I want to be a one of one. Like, I know they're going to be guys uh, taller than me, bigger than me, stronger than me, whatever, maybe better promos, whatnot. But I want whatever the package of me is, I feel like no one can replace me. No one can just be me as, as good as Apollo is or Keith Lee or anyone else you want to point out. I don't feel, and that's not a shot at any of them. I feel like no one can do exactly what I do. And that's my biggest thing is I want, when you watch me, I want you to think, well, what, what is this fool going to do when it comes to like promos or backstages? Or when you see a match, like why does a man, his size move like that? Why does he, why does he hit? Like, you know what I mean? So I want to keep being different keep being unique, keep being a one of one. I, I don't want, when you see me on screen to think, okay, I've seen this before. I know what to expect. I think if I keep bringing that dynamic package and trying to be as entertaining as possible, that's going to carry me through. And that's, that's been my perspective as of late. You've and changed I, me. I've changed bully. I, I really have because I, I was one of those people that was screaming from the mountaintops. Big E needs to be more serious. He needs to change his gear. He needs to do this and do that. And now, when you don't do you, when you're not the big E, then I go, I miss that. Like, you see? That dude grew on me. That dude, like, I see the seriousness when you get hit. Right. And you just change, man. You just turn into a different dude. I, I'm I'm very excited about the Rumble. I'm very excited. Uh, I, I hope that you have all the successes that that you want. Bully, I know I stepped on Bully right then, but I had to step on his toe because I had to get that out because I feel like I would be doing a disservice because I was a critic. And I yeah, ain't the guy to hide shit behind nobody's face. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And later on in the show... The people that understand that right right now I'm in this beef with Ryback, they're going to get to hear my side of what he said. And, um, you know, I'm, this is my way of trying to pull you into it. But I'm going to let Bully get his point across first. Well, I, I don't have a point. We need to wrap up with Big E, and we thank him for his time. I'm the politically correct one on the show. Mark is the troublemaker. I'm the guy that tries to mind his P's and Q's. So I'll be the night. <laughs> I'm the, the baby face. I've been trying to tell everybody for years. Anyway, Bull. on a person, uh, when the red light's on, it's a different story. E, um, very happy for your success on a personal level. Always enjoyed working with you guys. You made Amen. my time back there so much fun. Uh, and also between you guys, the Wyatts and the Usos, it, it, me and Devon had a blast. So thank you very much. And continued success to you. And, and hopefully that WrestleMania main event is either in the near future or the far future, but it is in your future. Continue to knock them dead. You're very entertaining. You guys are great what you do. God bless you and thank you very much for coming on today. 
I appreciate it. Thanks, Bubba. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, guys. You got it. Take care, my friend. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And I said, in my opinion, to my trained eye, who's been watching this for close to 30 years, I believe that the work rate inside of the ring with NXT is better than AEW. I think they are more polished. raw. (laughs) Hey, you're right. I'm agreeing with you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The work is more polished. The work is more believable. It's crisper. The psychology is better. Everybody, I'm not saying I like one wrestler or performer better than another performer. I'm saying that when I, nope. if, if you take any two performers from NXT and any two performers from AEW, I'm seeing a crisp, cleaner, more realistic in-ring product. Do you agree or not? I 100% agree. And you have your exceptions to the rule. You have your Drew McIntyre and anybody. You have your Sheamus and anybody. You have sometimes a Keith Lee and a Yeah, Jeff but wait, Hardy wait, wait. I don't Randy. mean to f- forget, forget about Raw because that's not who I compared it to. I compared the in-ring work of NXT and AEW. So, yeah, okay. you got exceptions to the rule. But, is it, I mean, to me at times it's – it's glaringly better. There are talents in AEW who look very. The word that I use is indie polished. No, indie riff. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I'm watching some indie guys now. What, I'm not saying they're the shits. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying the work in NXT is better. I see a lot of stuff in AEW that needs to be worked on in ring. They're going to get better. Hopefully the more reps you get underneath your belt, but I'm seeing stuff. I'm seeing spots that are so choreographed and so planned that it's beyond the realm of believability. I'm that seeing even, moves. Even when somebody gets kicked, like sometimes you see the pool, you see that you can see the pool, the kick being pulled. Or, or something, and I don't want to pick nits with my nitpick comment, but you go back to a couple of weeks ago. Leon Ruff and Johnny Gargano had a match, and it looked like Owen Hart and Brett out there. They were working. They were doing things that I hadn't seen probably since the Brett and Owen match. <laughs> If that's if that I mean it, it was right. polished as hell. And if you'd have put a little bells and whistles on that match, it could have been a pay per view match. It was really really sound. And there's a reason for that. Can we can we get into the reason rather than uh, the critical comment of yes, the working matches are better on AEW than in a lot of places. And lately, in my opinion, this is my opinion, there's no fact behind it as I'm going to actually state some facts in a little while when I start talking about Ryback. Um, oh, shit. The facts about what we're talking about right now is outside of SmackDown and when you see a Jericho in the ring, you don't see that kind of polish. And and NXT is by far, from beginning to end, the best show that expresses work rate, psychology, and every match does the who, I mean the, the when, the why, and the where, to put it in pro wrestling. The you, best know what, you know what, Mark? You know what, Mark? You know what your problem is? You're just a WWE shill. I'm a shill. I'm a mark. I'm a uh, you know. I, I because there's no way in company. hell that you could come on this show and just give your straight honest, up 
Honest opinion. You're a shill. Yeah. Vince yeah. told you to say this stuff this morning. Yeah. Don't forget the, hey, Mark, don't forget to p- put that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget to put, put NXT that- over it. The product yeah, that I think I have, but I'm really not sure about. Yeah, don't don't forget to put Chris Jericho over in his matches on another program. Don't forget to do that. When people take the social media and they start talking crap, like whether it's to me or to you or to any other person who's been around for a long time, it says, oh, you're a WWE shill for saying that NXT's work rate is better than AEW's work rate. No. I'm not a shill. I'm probably one of the most brutally honest people you'll ever meet in this industry. Probably so brutally honest to a fault and a detriment at times. But hey, that's me. And my mouth got me where I am today. And my mouth also got me where I am today. And I can tell you from looking at these products, which one is better. Go ahead, Mark. We are, Bully, neither one of us has ever said a negative word toward AEW as it pertains to what is this sport called? It's been deemed sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. We have said that AEW was more entertaining than most wrestling shows, including NXT. There have been times, they have their times where they are more entertaining than NXT, then Raw, then SmackDown, Impact, New Japan, and the list goes on and on and on because MJF, Jericho, what they're doing with Moxley and what they're doing with Kenny Omega and what they're doing with the top end of their guys is effing entertaining. And so where is the hate, guys? Where is it, the hate? Not, it's, it's people and fans who can't handle a truthful perspective. They, Especially with like AEW fans, God forbid you try to say that something is a bit lackluster or something else is better or you try to be critical. You know what? I can be critical. I've paid my dues. You're not afraid of the hate. I'm not afraid to be critical. And nine times out of ten, Mark, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Okay. Listen, I stopped the (laughs) argument. Well, I didn't didn't stop the argument. I I did what you just told Big E. I became the heel, and I threw gasoline on the fire. These two dudes were talking about LeBron James being the best basketball player ever and Michael Jordan being the best basketball player ever. And I told both of them, hey, y'all both got some really good points. Y'all got some good points. But I'm going to tell you right now, Magic Johnson was a better player than both of those guys because he made everybody around him better. I don't think James Worthy was great. But I don't think James Worthy would have been a top 50 if he played on the same team with Michael Jordan. I don't. Because why? Magic Johnson had 10,141 career assists. (laughs) And I bet you 5,000 of them went to James Worthy. Sometimes the things that make you better and the things that make the world interesting is a conduit. Something that's in between greatness and talent. And what do you do to bring them together? In pro wrestling, that is the most important thing in wrestling. Because you have to have a guy that can lead somebody that's the shits and make them somebody that's great one day. We've all had our moments. There was a day when, guys, I hate to say it, I was the shits. Guys, but I hate to say it, I was the drizzling shits. Dang. It sucks to say it. But I tell you what, I at the end, I was 
pretty fucking good. And even when I was working with people like Ryback, I could take a nap and be better than that motherfucker any day of the week. Holla at your boy. The best matches, WrestleMania, when supposedly some agent said it, yeah, okay, I believe that shit. I believe that. That I've, I, I'm, I'm the shits. Oh, let me see. After you left, the guy you said, John Cena, you, you put John Cena uh, out on Front Street, and I'm sure that Tagged him. John Tagged Cena him. will probably make a statement about how when he first got into wrestling, who, in, who did he ride in the car with? Me. Who was the guy that went to the office and said, hey, man, y'all need to hear John Cena rap? The dude is talented. And they said, you know what? This is awesome. John was mad at me because he didn't want to be looked at as the rapper guy. But you got Thugonomics. You're welcome. Fuck you, Ryback. You trying to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, that I'm not great? That I was the shits. You you base it off and you throw it on on an unnamed agent. Name his name. You name John Cena. Name the agent. I'll call him. I'll get him on the on the show. And we'll and I'll, I'll say, listen, I'm not saying that this happened, but at any point did you ever tell Ryback that I was the shits? And I was famous for taking naps. I take naps every day. There's nothing wrong with it. It's great. Vince McMahon himself has ribbed me, pouring water on me while I was sleeping because everybody would go, hey, is uh, anybody got eyes on Mark Henry? Because he usually naps around this time. Find him. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had a lot of fun with my naps. Yo, Yeah. And you go back, I challenge anybody, go back and look at the match at WrestleMania with me and Ryback. See if you see any holes in it. I was a hole filler, even with people like you, who other people didn't want to work with. You talk about uh, the work rate. You wanted to get your shit in and think that that was getting over. You can post as many videos as you want of you giving me finishes. It's not the real thing. Until you walk up to me and punch me in my face, the world won't know how violent I can be. So when you feel froggy like that, you let me know what plane ticket, where I need to get a plane ticket to. I'll show up for that. Because even at 50 years old, I'm more man than most men will ever want to be in their dreams. And you start talking about cutting promo. I'm not cutting a promo. I'm saying this for my soul. I will tear your flesh off, bro. And that that's a promise. I'm not threatening you. I'm just saying as a reactionary thing, if you hit me, there will be hospital time. I'll make sure of it. And that's my response to Mr. Ryback, and I will never speak on it again. I won't, because it's, it's a waste of my energy. I want to make this show, and this show should be more about peace, because it's Martin Luther King Day. Uh, I'm going to read something from Martin Luther King's, uh, one of his famous quotes here in a little while and I'm going to let I'm going to let it go but I just wanted to I, I just wanted to take that time to 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 answer uh what you said last night and I'm so glad that you unfollowed me so now I don't have to see these ridiculous commercials of you peddling bullshit to pay your bills when you were so great when you were so good 
that you didn't hurt people. When you chopped me with them damn gloves on, I used to tell you every time, hey, man, uh, you know you could take scissors and cut that metal bar out of the inside of those gloves, and maybe you won't hurt everybody. And maybe I should tell them how you used to sit in front of Vince's office and beg to change everything because that didn't make you look big and strong when I never did it. Because I knew I could make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Biggest guy, strongest guy in the company. I lost to Ray Mysterio, the smallest guy in the company. Didn't complain, not one bit. Was an honor, was a privilege. I lost to a guy with one leg, Zach Gowan. Did I complain? Did I say, nah, we're changing this? Man, you need to get some business, man. You just got destroyed. And on that, I think we'll take a break. Straight fire from Mark Henry. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. I hear somebody. Can you hear me? Mr. Wallace. I hear you very well. What the heck is going on? I've been up since 730 waiting on this Zoom. Well, we have a guy that we fired and we tried to get rid of him. And he just keeps he just keeps coming back. He just keeps coming back. Yeah, he comes to work anyway. And he ruins the show like probably about half the time. He's like syphilis. He never really leaves. (laughs) <laughs> well good morning everybody good morning everybody i'm here re- reporting live from atlanta georgia uh the home of dr king uh where i'm born and raised also so it's good to talk to you guys this morning man i'm so glad that you were able to come on and talk to us about um dr king on this special day you i, I was messaging with you yesterday and you sent me a photo which i've actually sent to our guys and they're going to post it on our series xm um page of you at the funeral yes sir i was so pleased in 1968 i was a student at the university of akron akron ohio akron ohio uh, i keep saying akron ohio because you guys need to know that i am the father of lebron james so i just wanted to throw that in <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you're his dad. You're my dad. Like, damn, you got around. I got around. Papa was a Rolling Stone. But yes, how? What a special day this is to be in Atlanta. I'm here because of the pandemic. But Dr. King was so uh, inspirational and such a great leader in Atlanta. My aunt lived across the street from him in uh, on Auburn Avenue. So we we knew so much about him. We ate at the restaurant Pascal's restaurant where they met and strategized and organized and mobilized. They did everything on that, and which is now called Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Uh, just to be able to, it was so important. That's why I had to leave college and put my whole family in the car and drive back to the funeral. And as you see that photo of me, I did not have that photo until five years ago. I was talking to friends about I was at the funeral and I said I was across the street on a pole. I couldn't get on the telephone pole, but a pole next to the pole. And some friends had many uh, photos because you never think people are taking photos from inside the church out. It's always outside of the church in. And they got a shot of me. And as you can see, that's me. Do you know who those other people are in that photo, Mark? Um, No, tell me. That's uh, Nancy Wilson on the front. Holy cow. That's Eartha Kitt. That's Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr.? Is that Sidney Portier? Sidney Portier, Barry Gardy, and uh, Marlon Brando getting out of the car. <laughs> That's Unbelievable photo. Those some heavy hitters right there. Well, trust heavy me, but that was more. There was more other people in the church. Of course, at the funeral, the church was loaded with uh, with uh, um, 
heavy hitters, as you would say, entertainers and uh, world leaders, presidents, everybody was there. And it was such a wonderful, wonderful day to rejoice. And we're still living on his, uh, on his standing on his shoulders and he and others. I don't know why Atlanta is such a, a great center for leadership. You know, we had uh, John Lewis, we had uh, Dr. C.B. Vivian, we had uh, Dr. Lowry. So much is going on my, in Atlanta. My cousin, Andrew Young. Andrew Young, of course, uh, 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 Reverend Young, who spoke at my church, the West Angeles Church of God in Christ, not too long ago. So yeah, we're just so, so so we're just so pleased to. Uh, I'm pleased to be in Atlanta, and so much growth this year. As you know, I think Atlanta is is uh, is the uh, mecca or whatever you want to call it, the uh, melting pot. Black culture is built in Atlanta. I was just talking to Trevor Noah the other day, and he's from Africa, right? And I say to right. Trevor, you being from Africa, again, when you got off the airplane in Atlanta, I ask him to tell the truth. You've never seen that many black people in your life, have you? And he's from Africa. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, Mark, Africans, Africans get off the airplane, airplane in Atlanta, and they go, holy shit. <laughs> I've never seen the black. And the good thing about it is that it's, it's, a, it's a good melting pot, and we do pretty much own and run everything in Atlanta, and it's just so great. And the people are coming from everywhere. We love our city, and thanks to Dr. Kingsley, leadership. And uh, now we have Dr. Warnock, who's uh, the minister, who's Senator-elect Warnock. Uh, we've seen some changes and we expect to see more changes. And uh, just because of Dr. King's leadership. Well, I, I tell you, tell, can you tell us what you're doing right now and um, how we can see you and be entertained more by you? I am doing so much, man. I, I mean, I've been on this, I've been in Atlanta since March 14th on the, uh, uh, quarantine. I, I live on the 25th floor. My daughter drove by the other day to visit me, and I waved at her ass on the 25th floor. I told her, "Keep moving, keep moving. I'm still <laughs> keep it moving." <laughs> so, can, tell me about tell me about uh, Bull Twit. Bull Twit is a new book that I have out now. You know, I wrote a book uh, two years ago called "Laugh It Off." The new book is called Bull Twit. Bull Twit because I couldn't say I came as close as I could because Bull Twit is about the the Twitter world. Uh, and I was just uh, voted and nominated the top 25 funniest tweeters in the world by Rolling Stone magazine. So these are online ramblings that thoughts that come from my head. You know, I'm crazy in the head. So it's good <laughs> to get these little thoughts out. It's a little, un you know, it's just about growing up in Atlanta and how poor we were. And, you know, little things like we were so poor that even growing up in Atlanta, we could only on the radio, we could only listen to the pips. We never knew that was a Gladys night. You understand what I'm saying? That's how poor we were. We never knew that was a Gladys night. We could only listen to the film. And you keep going on. And the little things like that. And, you, you know, we watch TV and, and we, ne we could watch Sun. We never knew that was a Mr. Sanford, okay? We never knew that was a Mr. Sanford. So little online ramblings. Online ramblings like that. I just, little thoughts would come out of my head because I got to make a joke in a 140 characters as opposed to telling a whole joke. Things like I, I, I'll straight up do because I'm crazy, Mark. I don't play by the rules. You know, I'll eat cupcakes out of a pan and I'll eat pancakes out of a cup. I don't care. I don't play by the rules. I don't wow. This guy's nuts, Mark. Listen to me. I, you think I'm nuts. Let me, I, let me tell you guys something. I will drink a half a glass of whole milk and a whole glass of half and half. I don't give a shit, okay? Now listen, listen to me, Mark, Mark, I'm on stage no. one night in Atlanta, I'm on I'm stage in Atlanta, at the State Farm Arena, I told that joke, I'll drink a half a glass of whole milk and a whole glass of half and a half, <laughs> I don't give a shit, some lady way in the back of the arena said, hey, Mr. Wallace, if you drink a half a glass of whole milk and a whole glass of half and half, you may not give a shit, but you're going to take one. So, <laughs> oh so the, the responses that the responses that get back in the book. The book is called Bull Twit. You can go online and get the book. I'm already into the second printing, and the book has only been out one month. And the book is like wow. 1995. You go to georgewallace.com, go online and get that book. People bought dozens for Christmas gifts, and it's a good table. What do you call it? The living room table book. Uh, Table it's book. Cool yeah. Table book. And it's, it, it, it's 1995. But if you buy five books, I will charge you $125, $120 just for the hell of it. <laughs> just, you know. And people, Man, and I got a hardcover that's $100. It's selling like crazy. It's great little ramblings of my mind. Like right now, here's one thing I always like to say to you and your crew there. Uh, I like to give a shout out to your favorite coat factory. Now, I don't know what yours is, but mine is Burlington. So, okay. 
Little thoughts like that pop out of my head. There's only one coat factory in the world, Burlington. Why aren't there other coat factories around the world? Just Burlington. And you want to know the truth? I've been in that store and I've never seen any coats. No coats? Why is that? Coat factory. The same thing as Cheesecake Factory. That's a lie. They're not making any. That's not a factory down at that cheesecake place. They they sell cheesecake, but there ain't no factory. So little ramblings (laughs) like that come up. And on that note, come out of my head. And on that note, well, I I tell you, you, man, I'm so happy that I'm going to go get it today. I mean, I'm I'm ordering it as soon as the show is over. I thank you so much uh, for coming on. I, I, I wish we had more time. Uh, I'm I'm happy to celebrate uh, Dr. King Day with you, and hopefully thank you so much. Uh, we'll be able to talk more uh, later on. But thank you so much for coming on. Let's do that again, and let's do this again. And thank you for being my son. You represent so well, and God bless us. I love you. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Don't forget that's GeorgeWallace.net, GeorgeWallace.com. Get that book, Bull Twit. <laughs> Plug, plug, and plug again. Sell, sell, sell. sell, sell. The thoughts thoughts of George Wallace. I've been doing comedy since 1843, so I know what I'm doing. Man, so how how was it hanging out with Jesus? (laughs) Don't you start. Don't you start. Yo, hey, you know, your mama was complaining that that when she was a kid, she didn't get Christmas gifts. We said, well, Jesus wasn't born yet. <laughs> I'm not cracking with, with you no more. No more. All right. I'm not doing it. Mr. Wallace, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We got to take a break over here. Uh, we appreciate you. You're a very funny man. We're going to get the book. book. Uh, thank, thank you, you so and have a, have a great day. And that's Dr. Wallace. Don't you feel better since you're talking to me? Have a good day, y'all. Yes, See Dr. You. Wallace. Yes. <laughs> Damn, Mark. That's oh your daddy? God, he's the, that's my daddy, man. He the best. He is the absolute best. And uh, anytime we were in Las Vegas, because he was Mr. Las Vegas. He did more shows in Las Vegas than anybody in history. And, and that's, that's saying a lot. And uh, he would always come to the arenas and when we had our shows there. And uh, he said, man, and he is a huge guy. He's about six five. About I remember him pounds. now. Now I remember him. Yep. And and he would come and say, "You know that I'm your daddy." Everybody that see you say, "Hey man, is that Henry kid yours?" <laughs> and he that's how he became dad. Man, we kept in touch and and we still talk today. He's he's a beautiful person and a wealth of knowledge. And uh, to come on on Dr. Martin Luther King Day uh, was special. Ed, you want us to roll or take a break? What do you want us to do, you know, we have, boss? We have someone else on the hotline here to uh, contribute to the day's festivities. Why don't we go to him? Let's bring All in right. our friend and member of Team Taz, Powerhouse Hobbs. Will, how are you? How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. How y'all doing? Man, we are good. We are good. George Wallace. I, I was listening to that. I was trying not to crack up too hard and wake up my child. But I, I wanted to come on and wish y'all... A happy uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, man. I really appreciate that, man. I'm I'm really proud of you and your success at AEW and how hard you're working. Um, on this beautiful Dr. King Day, is there something about his teachings that touch you? Well, there is. You know, I, I my my grandparents were were big into uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, so we we had a lot of his pictures around the house growing up, even when we went to church, <clears throat> we would have those fans in church with this picture on the back. And at a young age, I really never knew who he was until my grandparents sat me down. But the thing that touches me about him is just his willingness, his drive to to make the world a better place. And, you know, I try to teach my, my kids those things. Um, usually every January uh, in Oakland, we'll go to a, a Dr. King parade, but with the situation going on, we're, we're not able to do that. So we're going to be spending the day watching uh, A&E, watching some history on him. So just just the way he wanted to change the world, that, that really touched me. Well, I appreciate you, man. Like, uh, I'd love to talk to you more. 
Uh, we're, we're in and out, especially on our Zoom. We're having some difficulties, but we also um, want to thank you, man, for coming on and expressing your feelings uh, about Dr. Martin Luther King. And uh, keep doing, keep working hard, man. Like, you're doing a great job. And and I, Thank you. I, I appreciate every, that. Every time I see you do that finish, I I know that uh, you're paying homage, and I I appreciate you, young man. I really do. Nah, I I got to, I got to, man. And I got the blessing from you to do it, so I got to do it right. All right. And I'm t- I'm telling you right now, if you ever press slam Darby Allen through a table and he doesn't sell for you, uh, you'll have me to answer to. All right. Powerhouse Hobbs, <laughs> thank you very much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, buddy. We really appreciate you. I appreciate you. y'all. Thank y'all. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Kobe Kingston. Kobe, how are you today, my friend? Yo, Bubba, what's up, man? How are you? <laughs> very good, very good. Thanks for joining us, Kofi. We really appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure's all mine, you know? All good. Man, Kofi, um... You know, on this beautiful Dr. King Day, um, you know, we celebrate it. And everybody has different reasons for why it is that he was important. And um, we just had Jay Lethal on. And, and I mean, we've had a, a myriad of, of athletes and wrestlers that came on. What, what about Dr. King's messages and his existence? Um, touch you you know uh it's funny that you asked that because right now uh like i said i didn't think i was going to be able to come on because uh, i found out my son had a basketball camp that was at the exact hours of the show um but you know i happened to get a few minutes and my wife is in there with him now and we talk about dr uh dr king and what he meant in his message and i had to look no further than this basketball camp you know uh there's kids of all ages, all races, you know, biracial kids out there just playing basketball, coached biracial coaches, you know what I mean, Multi, just, just a, a multitude of ethnicities all in this room together just trying to get better. And it happens to be at the game of basketball, but nobody was thinking about, you know what I mean, like uh, just – any kind of animosity or any, or any differences, everybody in the room, in the whole, you know, in the whole gym, just coming together for a common goal. And I think that is obviously at the base of what Dr. King wanted, right? You know, when he talked about little black boys and little black girls just coming together, this is exactly it, you know? So um, just to be able to have moments like this where uh, you don't, you don't have to think about somebody's ethnicity and you're not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, to me, it's almost mind-blowing that there was a state in time where this could not happen. You know what I mean? Like, people of different races, if you were black, you were not able to go and be in the same room as a, as a white person. It's mind-blowing, but then you think about it, it's like it wasn't that long ago either, right? So um, right. I just I think a lot of times we almost, uh, we not that we take it for granted, but um, we forget how – how how segregated and how how divisive life used to be and there's obviously a lot of problems now that still need fixing we're not there yet but uh we still got a long way to go but we have also come such a long way and i'm just so grateful that uh that we live in a time where i can take my kids anywhere that i want to and um and and have them in a room full of other kids from other different backgrounds and we can all work together just to get better, to have fun, to, to, to be together and, and, you know, have conversation together and laugh and have good times and share memories and make memories. Um, and none of that would have been possible if it wasn't for people like Dr. King fighting for eg- exactly this. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just reflecting on that. I was just sitting there watching them play, and I'm just, uh, you know, just a big old smile on my face that uh, – that we had people like Dr. King, you know, uh, Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, so many other people who, who fought so hard, so many people who laid their lives down so that we could be doing exactly this. So um, I think that is what I am most grateful for. And, um, you know, I, 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 try to, I try to pay it forward myself, you know what I mean? And, 
in the world of what we do, we all know that it's entertainment, you know, uh, that things are storyline driven, et cetera, but there's an element of it being so real in the way that we are able to affect people. And um, I see that and feel that every day when people tell me about the impact that me winning the WWE championship had on their lives and the emotions that they felt and the uh, just the, you know, the, 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 the drive that it's given them to go out and believe that they can go out and do anything. That to me is the ultimate goal to keep on paying it forward. Cause like I said, we got a long way to go. And um, you know, but while we're on this earth, we just got to do our part in trying to get to, uh, to that promised land, you know, and trying to make everything yeah. the way that it should be. So um, long winded answer for you there, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. I'm in, I'm in a Zen mode. Hey, we'll right take now. it. Enjoying everything. We'll take it. You're <laughs> Kofi Kingston. You're a champion. You're an inspiration. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.